0: where the fun begins. Let's make this a bit more
1: interesting. You've taken your first step into a larger world. The garbage do! Nothing will stand in our way. May the be winning. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Twin Sons Transmission. I'm your host Eric Fiverr, joined as always by San Sanfilippo. Hey guys! We are going to be talking about The Mandalorian on this episode, episode 155, and as we get closer to episode 9, we get more on The Mandalorian, and um, I've heard some rumors that The Mandalorian might have a tie-in with episode 9, so we'll see how that goes, but Jesse, I mean, this show continues to impress me, and I am just so excited to talk about it.
0: I know I've had so much fun with this show, and I've had so much fun with just the the massive amounts of people who are watching it. It's not just like the hardcore Star Wars fans. It's like everybody's watching The Mandalorian, so it's so much fun to talk about it wherever we go.
1: Yeah, like there's there's some people on my Facebook and stuff that that I know through like um, just the Steelers or whatever. And they're posting Baby Yoda memes. And I'm like, wait,
0: yeah.
1: wait, <laughs> this is weird to see you posting this, you know. You
0: know people who don't even, like, the, the few people who are not watching The Mandalorian, like, still know about Yoda Baby or Baby Yoda and are still posting the Baby Yoda memes. And yeah. I think it's funny because I have explained it to multiple people that it's, like, recently, like, it's not actually Baby Yoda Yeah. It's just a Yoda baby. (laughs) And then they they just look at me.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's pretty awesome, and I'm very excited about um, episodes four and five, which are what we're going to be talking about on this episode. So let's begin with episode four, which was titled The Sanctuary. And this episode was directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, who, by the way, is Ron Howard's daughter. Ron Howard directed *Solo*, a *Star Wars* story, so this is really kind of cool to get the family connection on this one. And um, we were Amanda and I were on uh, the *Mando* cast with Michael and Christine Morris talking about this episode. So if you listen to us there, welcome back, and I hope you enjoy our episode discussing this um, this episode of *The Mandalorian*. But uh, I thought that was a cool connection, kind of getting the whole family involved in *Star Wars*.
0: Yeah, I mean, hey, if you've got those connections in your family, why not? Just just make it a family business. Right.
1: <laughs> yes. I mean, how
0: could you not, like, growing up watching your dad, like, direct and, like, be part of all these big films and things? Like, how could you not become, like, fascinated and, like, also want
1: to do it? Plus, it's Star Wars, so, like, it literally yeah. is the coolest thing to direct, you know? Right. Um. All right, so let's talk about The Mandalorian. A lot happens in this episode. Uh, Cara Dune, first and foremost, let's just start there. Um, Because I was waiting for her to show up. Like, I was literally, like, looking at my watch. Like, is she going to show up? Where is she at? Um, I didn't know that she was going to be in this episode when I first watched it because... On my Disney Plus it was like okay Mandalorian episode 4 streaming now would you like to watch I was like heck yeah I want to watch clicked (laughs) it started watching the episode I didn't see the little like thumbnail Mm -hmm. because she's on the thumbnail for this episode so I I didn't see that so I had no idea that she was going to show up so it was really kind of cool to get her finally in the story
0: yeah I absolutely love her she was excellent MMA like she's an MMA fighter, Mm -hmm. which is insane. So it's so cool to watch her like fight and Just like I don't know. She just looks awesome because you know She's doing all her own stunts because they've said it in like multiple interviews um, How awesome she is with all that stuff. So it's just really cool to watch someone do all their own stunts because I mean, I don't know how what Pedro Pascal does. Um, I don't know what his stunt level is. But if he's not doing his own stunts, he's got a helmet on. Like, anybody could be doing his stunts for him. But, like, if you watch any other, like, show or movie or whatever where they're fighting – Especially if it's, like, a, a woman and, like, you have a stunt person fighting for her. Like, her hair is just, like, always in the way when she, like, takes a punch. You yeah. know? Like, mm-hmm. and you can tell. Like, if you really pay attention, you can tell. But she just looks so awesome. Like, you could tell she's just really doing it.
1: You can tell by her punches, too. Like, as you yeah. watch her punch people, you can tell, like, okay, yeah, <laughs> that that looks like it would hurt. That looks real. You know? Right.
0: Yeah, like it looked like they were actually beating each other up and they might have been.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she looks awesome. I mean, she's just she's so cool. And I I was thinking about this, too, because like we said, it looks real. Her punches look real. I was thinking, like, have we ever seen a hand to hand brawler like this? In Star Wars ever and I was like well, I know, you know Iron Man was always fearful of Captain America during Civil War because Captain America was really good at hand-to-hand brawling You know, he had his shield. He was really good at close combat and Iron Man's Biggest asset was being able to like fly around and shoot you from afar But you know in Star Wars. I'm like who would be able to go? hand-to-hand with Cara Dune like And I was talking to, I think, Michael Morris from the Mando cast. We talked a little bit about it. Really, the only other person that we've seen brawl is Jango Fett with Obi-Wan. But I'm like, okay, well, that's against the Jedi. That doesn't count. And secondly, if you think about what she was doing, she was going up against a Mandalorian wearing Beskar armor, which literally deflects blaster bolts. And she, essentially, the, the fight ended in a tie. You know, right, like,
0: and she's she, like sleeveless, helmetless, like, yeah. very minimal armor.
1: She won that, like, yeah. take all his armor off. She won that. She oh. is, in my opinion, the best brawler, male or female, in all of Star Wars.
0: No, I agree. Like, maybe she'd have, like, I mean, I don't know if you get to count like Ventress because she has the force, yeah. but. But, yeah, definitely, for, like, a non-Force user.
1: Yeah, because I feel like if you have the Force, you just automatically have an advantage. Right. Um, No. You know, even if you don't use the Force to, like, pick someone up and throw them across a room, you can still sense where the punches are coming or whatever, you know. It gives you a little bit of foresight. I think she's literally, like, I want you on my team.
0: I know, and she has that whole, like, you know, like, post-rebellion, like vibe where she's i don't know she used to be a soldier but now she's just playing yeah. low i don't know she's just so cool she has like the whole vibe going yeah and i want to be her
1: okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's pretty awesome i was always excited for her but then when i saw ig11 i was like okay i think i like the mandalorian and then ig11 next and we'll see where car fits in but I feel like now she's like up there, like okay, you're actually way cooler than I thought you were gonna be. So. Yeah,
0: she's one of my favorites, and it took me a while, but I realized that 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 she has like the Rebel Alliance, like the Starbird symbol yeah. on like a tattooed to her face. I didn't, I couldn't tell what that was. Yeah. Until like I, until I had watched it like three or four times.
1: You can <laughs> actually realized, see that on the on her pop, like she has it on her yeah. pop and stuff. Yep. And then yeah. merchandise, which is pretty awesome. So yeah, Cardoon, pretty awesome. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the story of this episode. So they land on this planet. Um, I don't know if you watched it with subtitles or not, but to me it sounded like Sorgan, Sorgan, the planet.
0: Yeah, yep.
1: Um, and to me, this episode had some fantastic cinematography. The very first scene, you see all the little fish underwater and they're very vibrant colors like blue and, you know, everything is just cool. Like to open up with that and then you have all the peaceful music. It was just like it brought me to my happy place immediately. Like I I know for a fact they meant to make you feel at peace and feel comfortable because the next scene was them being raided. And they wanted to make that more. They wanted to make that uh, impactful.
0: Yeah. No, one hundred percent. That little village was gorgeous and those fish like the, the colour was reflected even in like the costumes of all those people. They had like that blue was like underneath like the undertone of every single one of their um their costumes. So yeah, I definitely felt you there. It's very peaceful until yeah until chaos.
1: <laughs> we talked a little bit about this on the Mando cast too. Like this episode had a very Lord of the Rings feel where like the village gets raided by quote-unquote orcs and you have to kind of escape and stuff like that. It's villagers, like kind of uh, the villagers that escape to Rohan with the little kids and everything. Their village gets raided by orcs and uh, things like that. It also had a very much of a Clone Wars feel to it um, Uh, where like the warriors train the farmers to defend their land, you know?
0: Yeah, I felt like this, that is exactly what I thought of. there's like multiple Clone Wars episodes where they do that. Um, so yeah, it's. And, but this time they're not being trained by Jedi. They've got like bounty hunters training them.
1: <laughs> yep. Pretty awesome.
0: I mean, but we do have the episode where bounty hunters are training. They're training with the Jedi in, in the Clone Wars too. I think that's on Felucia. I just watched that episode.
1: Yeah. Yeah, season two. It's pretty cool. I love, I mean, Dave Filoni is obviously involved in this, and so it's kind of cool to get um, the Clone Wars callbacks, and not only Clone Wars, but Rebels, and we get the Lothcat. We get the Lothcat in this episode, which is really kind of cool to see uh, a CGI Lothcat in live action.
0: Yeah, that was really cool. I was not expecting to get that, and I thought he was going to eat Yoda Baby.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Did you actually, though, were you worried for Yoda Baby for a second? I,
0: yes, because really? why is Yoda <laughs> Baby walking behind him? Like, everyone's out to get him. He's seen him almost get got multiple times, and he's just like, okay, kid, like, fine, you can, like, walk behind me. Yeah. I would have him in, like, a papoose, and he would be attached to my body at all times, and I would, like, karate chop anyone that looked at him.
1: all right good to know (laughs) let's talk a little bit about the mandalorian and what we got from him in this episode and we get a lot about the helmet right um so we know that the last time that he had taken his helmet off was when he was a kid uh as far as being in front of somebody else when he took it off um he takes it off to eat um i'm assuming he takes it off to sleep uh, except for when he's obviously not in a bed because in the next episode we see him kind of like leaning up against a speeder bike, kind of dozing off. He, he keeps it on then, uh, but for the most part he keeps it on unless he's eating or sleeping, I would assume. Um, and he doesn't seem to eat much. Even if he's at the bar or something, he'll just kind of sit there or he'll refuse food from the villagers or the farmers um unless it seems like he's hungry but uh for the most part he he just really doesn't take that off so we get a little bit bit more information about him with his helmet and Cardune asks him what happens if he takes it off and he basically says he can never put it on again and i'm assuming that essentially means that he's hanging up the mantle of being a mandalorian
0: yeah all of that like it's super interesting to me. So it's, it's all about being in front of other people, right? So you can't do it in front of other people. If he's alone, he can eat. And I feel like that's the big reason why he's not accepting food and things is because he's actually in front of people. So like, and then my next question is during all that conversation, um, with that woman, um, her name is Omera. I had to look it up because I don't think they ever say it in the episode. And um he's talking to her, and she's asking him about it as well. And he said that the Mandalorians rescued him. Um, and then what I had it written down? What did he say?
1: His parents um, were killed. The Mandalorians took care of him.
0: Yeah, but, like, the way he said it, like, it it made it seem like he's he's not a Mandalorian. Like, not like an actual from yeah. Mandalore Mandalorian. They took Mandalorian. Him in. Yeah. yeah, that's what he says. The Mandalorians took me in. So when you say something like that, that to me means, yeah, you're not from Mandalore, but that's how I was raised. So that's why I have this armor.
1: But I feel like this has sort of sparked so much controversy within the fandom because... Okay. You have legends, right? And then you have canon. And then we've seen Mandalorians in canon. Um, For example, Sabine. She takes her helmet off. We see Pre Vizsla take his helmet off. We see pacifists like Duchess Satine. Uh, Most of the people on Mandalore at that time had no helmets. It was just Death Watch, essentially. Um, so we've seen a bunch of Mandalorians without their helmet. I feel like it's just specific to maybe certain clans or certain families because you have a clan and you have a family. We know that Sabine Wren was House Wren Clan Vizsla, so mm-hmm. maybe it's specific to certain things. Uh, maybe the Mandalorian's clan has certain rules. Maybe it's not, a uh, a complete rule just for like the Mandalorians as a whole? I don't know. I I, I don't know. We've seen Jango Fett without a helmet and some argue he's not an actual Mandalorian. I, I just, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like there you cannot put a finger on this is uh, contradictory. I don't feel like that's true.
0: No, I definitely don't think it's contradictory or like or like a mistake or something like it it feels like they keep referencing and he keeps referencing himself as a foundling mm-hmm. um, And I feel like maybe it's just it's just it's just that like this group of foundlings That's just maybe how they were raised by I mean who knows what there's they keep also mentioning this purge that we still don't really know anything about Um Like maybe this is like kind of like a post purge like Mandalorians in hiding like this is what we're gonna do now Kind of thing we're like we're all gonna hide our faces and this is the only way that we can survive And we can only come up, you know a few at a time so that they don't know that there's that many of us left Like maybe it's just like how they've kind of gone into hiding like to preserve themselves from whatever this purge was
1: I feel like we get a lot more, I mean, because the Mandalorians are very mysterious and we don't know much about them, even with all the content that we've got up until now. We get a little bit more in Rebels and Clone Wars, but really we get like zero Mandalorian lore in the movies. Um, And so I think this is a good way for lucasfilm to kind of give us a little bit more information on who they are and and what are foundlings and what is Beskar and all that stuff you know i feel like for you know pretty pretty generic fans you know that might not even know what Beskar is even that is cool to get information oh for. yeah
0: no uh, i know people loved all that stuff in the um Expanded universe and that is some of the those are some of the things that I've been the most interested in as someone who's never read any of the old um, Expanded universe stuff like whenever I would hear people talk about You know what I should read out of the expanded universe. It was always like Thrawn and then everything that had to do with Mandalorians. Yeah, and so that's yeah, I feel like it's making a lot of those people happy to have all this stuff getting brought in
1: Yeah Let's talk a little bit about the villagers, these farmers. So, Omera, like you were saying, I mean, she clearly is not just a farmer, right? She knows how to shoot a gun uh, pretty well. She, when given a rifle, and by the way, this is something that literally made my jaw drop, and I don't know if you (laughs) noticed this. She was given a Relby, which is the same blaster that Bosk uses. Like, this is a... Super serious rifle. It's not just cool. like a uh, rifle that's just, you know, hey, here's a rifle the Mandalorian found in his vehicle. And, like, <laughs> this is the same rifle Bosk uses to hunt his enemies. So that was really kind of cool for me to see her use that. Um, but she's serious. I mean, she literally can, like, shoot things. And that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. No, that was interesting. I wonder if, like, she has you know, everybody has more to their story, but like, I wonder if that's something we'll get to see because it's kind of weird that this random person in a tribe would, out of everyone, she's the only one that raised her hand and said that she knew how to shoot a blaster. Mm -hmm. So what, like has something happened to her in her past that she also kind of like seeking refuge in this little tribe? Like, was she not born in this tribe, and she just is also kind of hiding there, kind of how the Mandalorian was? and Because, like, even in the beginning when we see her, and she's so, after, while this raid is happening, she's so quick-thinking to, like, she ran, like, towards the raid, no fear. Obviously, anyone would do that for their own child, but then she was just so quick-thinking. She just dove in the water, threw the basket over their heads, and, like, they were good. Like, she knew exactly what to do, and got her and her kid out of there alive so that also made me think like she has some other kind of past where she has some kind of training or
1: experience she's too Uh, smart to be a farmer right and nothing against farmers but like she (laughs) she seems like she's destined for more
0: she just has all these skills that one doesn't just you're not just like necessarily born a good shooter right like you have to learn that somewhere
1: yeah for sure, um, essentially, what these farmers are doing is they're trying to stay and hold their ground against the the bandits who have a mech, aka an ATST, which to me was one of the coolest things that we've ever seen in the Mandalorian, in the dark, as it looks like it stands up with like the aching sound of a you know <laughs> machinery moving upwards with the red glowing viewports it just was so cool to me like it was awesome to see that and um you know we we've seen atsts at hoth we've seen them on endor but like this one just looked so cool and the way that they shot it and the again cinematography to me was so cool
0: I totally agree with you. It looked so much more ominous and creepy yeah. um, than we've ever seen it in the past. I feel like it's something about there just being, like, one on their own. And they almost made it look kind of, like, wild, you know, like it was, like, alive.
1: Yeah. And it it seemed like it had a brain. Like, okay, we're not going to step into this puddle or into this pond or whatever, you know. Like, the person that was driving it actually was aware of things versus, like, Ewoks, you know, sending a a barrage (laughs) of, like, you know, logs down a hill to take one out. Like, this one was actually pretty smart.
0: Right. Yeah, no, it looked really cool. in the way that the red, like, came out of the little window shields, like, I don't know, yeah, there was something very, very beautiful. And, like, it gave you, like, that creepy, like, horror vibe almost it was cool
1: yeah there was one scene where you see the farmers kind of holding their ground with like the fire going of their like village or whatever and then you have the atst standing there kind of like looking at the village and it was a horizontal shot so you know obviously it was like a landscape image but it looks so awesome and i want that as a poster
0: yeah yeah a lot of like all the concept art that they keep releasing and showing at in, during, like, the end credits, so much of it I just want as a poster in my house. Yeah. The show is gorgeous.
1: A couple other things before we move on to the next episode. One, I loved that when uh, Kara and the Mandalorian were fighting with uh, the bandits, I guess, in the that little hut. Um, where they sort of, like, stuck those guys' faces in the blue liquid. Um yeah. It looked, it reminded me very much of episode 8, where Rey and Kylo were fighting together. Because literally, Kara would, like, push somebody and the Mandalorian punch him in the face. Or, like, vice versa. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah, they were they, fighting together.
0: They made, like, a, a really awesome team. They yeah. really did.
1: Yeah. The only other thing I wanted to say was that I love the fact that in uh, when the Mandalorian was in like the first restaurant bar area, uh, he's like, "Yeah, keep an eye on the kid," and he flipped a coin, flipped some money to the bartender. It reminded me so much of *A New Hope* when Han Solo was like, "Sorry about the mess," and just flipped the coin to the bartender and walked out. Like it was very, very reminiscent of that for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I I get that, and I I felt that in this next episode, too, that we're going to talk about, I had another, um, a very Han Solo, uh, a new home vibe, yeah, in the beginning of that one, too.
1: All right, well, let's go into that one, so this one is called The Gunslinger, and uh, we see that the, the Razorcrest, obviously, you know, in the last episode... Uh, the Mandalorian cannot stay on Sworgan, uh, the child is continuously being hunted, as we saw from the Kubas, who almost, uh, shot Yoda Baby in the face, uh, if it wasn't for Cara Dune, so thank you Cara Dune for that, um, but the Mandalorian has to leave Sworgan and, um... It's losing fuel, so where do you go when you need help? Moss Eisley, Tatooine, so cool! It was so awesome to get Moss Eisley and Tatooine in this. Um, And I feel like in one of our prediction episodes, you might have actually even predicted this, getting Tatooine in The Mandalorian, so that was awesome.
0: Yeah, no, I I have to be honest, I am confused, um, because we've got those those stakes that were shown again that had the imperial helmets on them, blood coming out the top that makes you feel like their heads are still inside. Um, And to me at first I was like, oh, they're trying to tell us that we're back where we were originally in those first few episodes, you know, with the bounty hunters guild. He, He went back to that same planet. And, and then they started saying Tatooine. So then I was like, oh, wow, that was Tatooine the whole time. I called it. And then, <laughs> But then they started saying Navarro. Yeah. And I just started getting really confused.
1: So I think what we see where the client is and where Dr. Pershing is and everything, that's Navarro. And then the Bounty Hunter Guild operates from there now because they specifically say in this episode that the Bounty Hunter Guild no longer operates from Tatooine. And I think that's because back in the day, we had Jabba the Hutt there, and Jabba had a bunch of bounty hunters that would meet at the cantina, and that's why everything was so full, because there were bounty hunters, and there were you know, pilots and everything yeah. coming and going, and you had Greedo that was there, and you had like a bunch of these other bounty hunters, and then... Jabba's dead, and obviously we had Sand Troopers, we had the Empire that had a presence there, and I feel like um, you know we see at the end of Episode 6 that Tatooine is one of the planets in the, the Special Edition that is jumping up and down because the Empire was defeated. Um, so to me, that just means the Empire is gone, the Bounty Hunter Guild no longer operates from there, Jabba's dead... Um, and bounty hunters are kind of, you know, scattered throughout the galaxy. And now Navarro is where they're kind of taking up their operations. At least that's how I took it.
0: Okay. And just like a lot of planets have, you know, stormtrooper helmets, Yeah. With their heads still inside yeah. them on well, Got es- it.
1: <laughs> especially because at this point in time, I, I'm pretty sure the Mandalorian takes place five years after... Return of the Jedi, so the fall of the Empire is still pretty fresh, and you know how many people really dislike the Empire out there, so I feel like that's probably just like a symbol. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that one scene really messed me up, but I'm I'm good now.
1: Okay. (laughs) But speaking of that cantina, so he shows up on Mos Eisley, and when they're like, yeah, this is Mos Eisley Tower, I was like, oh my god! This is so awesome! Um... To land back on Tatooine, and granted it wasn't Docking Bay 94, it was like Docking Bay like 35
0: or something. Like A5 or something. There's a 5 in there.
1: Um, But it was still really cool to kind of see him land in that same spaceport and walk into the cantina, and I thought it was pretty cool that when you have a cantina from Episode 4, that they have literally like a sensor at at the entrance that says, you know... You know, if you're a droid, like, it'll tell you if you're a droid or whatever. And the bartender was like, hey, we don't serve their kind here. You're droids. They're going to have to wait outside. This episode, the droids were literally the bartenders.
0: Yeah. And, like, (laughs) no one was there. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And the little droid was, like, rolling up to the bar and everything. So I think it's kind of cool how times have changed. You know, that that was a bump in place back in the day. Not so much now.
0: It was, and uh, like you were mentioning your Han Solo vibe in the previous episode, that was my Han Solo vibe with um, Toro, Toro mm-hmm. Calican, I think is how he says his last name, mm-hmm. um, he's got his like foot up on the bar table, and he's like, I got a job, Like yeah. that was like, I was like, whoa, there it is, episode four.
1: Yeah, super Han Solo. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Toro. So he kind of uh, was a little annoying to me at first, like <laughs> like dude, shut up. Um, right. But at the same time, he was not super dumb. Like he was always looking out for himself. You know, like the Mandalorian was like, "Give me that tracking fob," and he like smashed it, and he's like, "Nope, you're gonna stick with me now." You know, <laughs> just to cover him his own self. Like, I don't think the Mandalorian would have would have done anything had he been given the tracking fob. Like, I don't know if he would have like left Toro out in the dirt or anything, but Toro mentioned a few times, like, I don't care about the money. I'm just trying to get into the guild, you know? So I don't know.
0: Right. No, he, I, he was smart. It's probably, you know, we're full, we're at the point where everybody's just kind of fending for themselves, figuring out this new government and there's really no rules. So people are really having to find their own way. So I'm sure right now everything's kind of like kill or be killed. So everybody's got to be pretty savvy. Yeah. He definitely knows how to look out for himself. Yeah. Also annoying.
1: (laughs) Well, Toro is in this until just about the end. But before we get to the end, I want to talk about a couple other things, and one of them is Peli. Let's talk about Peli. So Peli. She is the person at the spaceport, um, the docking bay, that sort of takes them in. And um, at first, I was like, she's kind of weird. But as I've watched yeah. the episode like three times, I was like, she's so Star Wars, though. Like, she, to me, feels like Star Wars, and and I'm totally cool with it now. Um, but she's got her little team of pit droids right yeah uh, and the mandalorian once again says no droids so one let's talk about peli and then we'll talk about the droids what'd you think of peli
0: i really liked Pelly. she looked like she was like right out of the 80s yeah. um, which i thought was really funny um but i really liked her because she you know at first i was like oh you know she's talking about how she's going to charge him more for watching the baby And I was like, oh, man, like, is this going to be another person that's going to try to, like, you know, screw him over? But she just, like, really cared about the kid in the end. And she just was, like, always worried about, like, his little ears and, like, that he was being left alone. Like, she was just, like, all about this little baby. And it, it just, like, warmed my heart.
1: Yeah. And even at the end when he was about to leave, she was like, well, I'm assuming you never got paid. Okay, like she, I feel like she would have let him go anyway.
0: Right, yeah, she was just doing it. Even at the beginning, she was like, yeah, I've heard that before. And then she just like started working on it. (laughs) Yeah,
1: she was pretty cool. And I, I, I love that she was in this episode. Um, So the droids. So, clearly, the Mandalorian doesn't like droids. And I was like, I don't know why this is. Like, why is he so against droids? And I was talking to Amanda about this, and she's like, aren't you stupid? She's like, don't you remember the Clone Wars when we first see him? And he's, like, in that little box, and the Super Battle Droids, like, opens it up. So, his history, and when he was a kid, obviously, he's had a past with the Separatists and the droids there. So, I'm assuming... That that's his reason for not liking the droids.
0: Yep. I You're not stupid because I literally spent like my whole entire commute to and from work today thinking about why this guy doesn't like droids. And it took me like the full like two hours to be like, oh, yeah, yeah. that B2 battle droid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming it's because it's something, I mean, I don't know if that is The Purge or if it's something completely different that he went through before The Mandalorian Purge or whatever. But that must have been where the traumatization comes from.
1: Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see. I'm sure we'll get more information on that because I feel like just, you know, like me, I I watch it and I'm so involved in what's going on that I'm not like why doesn't he like droids like I'm not thinking about that I just like oh he doesn't like droids you know
0: right yeah because it's just the story is just so like even even when there's not a lot of dialogue like it's still just like action-packed and or like if it's not action-packed it's like visually stunning so I'm just like in awe like the whole time
1: yeah super cool um Okay, I have to say one of my favorite parts of this episode, and it's probably a weird thing to say, but the Tuscans and his interaction yeah. with the Tuskens. It was like sign language, like he was able to communicate with them and get his way, essentially. And that's not something we've seen from the Tuscans. Reasoning with the Sand People is not something we've seen before, and he did it, and I loved it.
0: I loved it too and I I loved that he also kind of like leveled with them and kind of like explained them to us I mean nothing I can't forgive them you know for me but but I mean he made you kind of like understand like from their point of view like they maybe they were here first like they see everyone else as the trespassers and that they're like you know the original people of that land so maybe that is true and they're You know, kind of just taking it out on anybody who comes across them. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was cool that he was able to be like, hey, have you ever thought about how they feel? Like, let me just try to communicate with them, and we'll just be on our way.
1: Yeah. And I was, like, my eyes were glued to the TV when he was doing that little, like, sign language thing. Like, I was like, holy crap, this is awesome. Like, I've never seen this before. (laughs) But. Yeah. All right, let's talk a little bit about a new character that we got in this episode playing by Ming Na Wen, Fennec Shan. And she was a. uh, She made her name killing for top crime syndicates, including the Hutts. And we get her in this episode. And uh, it was kind of cool to see her. She clearly was very skilled with a rifle. um, But the Mandalorian was able to outsmart her and take her down toward the end of the episode. What did you think of this new character?
0: I really, really like Ming-Awen, and I'm really excited about Fennec Shand. Um, I thought she was really cool. I loved how she was kind of, like, outsmarting them at first. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just continued, like, even though she was defeated, she just, like, continued to, to like, try to find a way out of it. Um, and I, I have a feeling that this... Still isn't all we've seen of her, based on the very last scene. Um, really? Yeah. I don't know if we want to jump that far ahead, but no,
1: I want to talk about it right now, actually.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> in the very, the very last scene, the very last thing that we see is the Mandalorian standing over her.
1: Is that the Mandalorian?
0: That is, I guess, how I took it. Um, so I mean, here's. I could be wrong.
1: I don't think it is. So here's here's my reasoning. So the Mandalorian we see so we see him take that do back, right, and he leaves. Mm-hmm. Or he goes to get the do back, right? And then Toro shoots Fennec. And then Toro leaves. The Mandalorian goes and sees Fennec and she's like on the ground and he's like, Okay, I'm gonna go back and then he goes back to his ship. And when he goes back to his ship, that's when he has that altercation with Toro. And he shoots Toro, and then Toro's gone. He gets back into his ship. I do not think that the person that we see standing over Fennec is the Mandalorian. Some people have said, oh, it's going to be Boba Fett. and like, why is it going to be Boba Fett? And they said because the only other time that we've heard the sound, if you listen to the sound when the person is walking towards Fennec, It sounds like Spurs. It literally sounds like Spurs. And um, I'm like, that's weird. And as I watched it again, I was like, it is Spurs. It does sound like Spurs. The only other time that we've heard that sound is in episode five when on Bespin, Han Solo is in Carbonite. Boba Fett is walking him to Slave One. You hear the Spurs. So people are like, oh my gosh, this is finally where we're going to get Boba Fett. I don't know if we're going to get Boba Fett. Um, the show's called The Mandalorian. I feel like it's going to be about our Mandalorian. So if it is Boba Fett, I feel like we're going to get him for a little bit. Um, but not, like, the show can't be about Boba Fett, you know. Um, but and- they
0: also can't just give you Boba Fett and, like, <laughs> not make a big deal out of it. Right. And, and and not, like, explain, like, what the heck? Like, what did you do, climb out of the sarlacc pit like what are what's going on
1: (laughs) well legend i mean in legends boba fett escapes the sarlacc pit with the help of dengar who is visibly seen in return of the jedi at Jabba's palace so if they want to keep that canon great um i just i really don't feel like it's the mandalorian that went back for her like i feel like Mm. it's someone else whether yeah. it's Boba Fett or it's somebody else, just the sound of the walking, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Boba Fett.
0: Yeah, and I mean, that'd be really cool, but it could be anybody because it seems like, you know, pretty much all of the people we've seen who have bounties on their heads, it seems like multiple people are after you know, mm-hmm. a single bounty at a time.
1: Yeah, it could so, be very misleading.
0: Yeah, it could just be someone else with a tracking fob because we already saw, you know, that one guy that was hanging off a dewback with his tracking fob, which was for, you know, Fennec. So maybe it's just another person. Or maybe that guy woke up. The, the one they <laughs> left there.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, It seemed like, so she got shot. Fennec got shot. And she like killed over and like fell over. But she Mm -hmm. was on the ground for a long time. I mean, she got shot what looked like in the morning.
0: Right. Because they were overnight.
1: Yeah, and then it was night again. So she was in the same spot for like 24 hours almost.
0: Right. But like, why show that if she's not like alive?
1: Uh, The only explanation I have for that question is that the person walking up means more than the person that's dead.
0: But it's ming wen Like, you know, they got ming o Like, I just don't want her to
1: just be <laughs> a, can-
0: a cameo. Like, she's yeah. Mulan. She is Agent May. She's the Calvary. Like, she's such a cool actress. Like, I want her to be part of the show. So that's just me, maybe wishful thinking. But I... My prediction is that this isn't the end for her.
1: Yeah. Well, this episode is directed by none other than Dave Filoni. So if anyone's going to pull tricks out of their sleeve, it's going to be Dave just because he's done it time and time again with us and always continues to, you know, make us, keep us guessing. So I would not be surprised if, uh, you know, there were more surprises to come from him. But uh once again a fantastic episode and i cannot wait to see what happens next um only other thing i want to say about this episode or at least ask you jesse baby not yoda or yoda baby um what's going on with him right like what's what's the deal we haven't gotten too much from him he's sort of just been like hanging out like he hasn't done a whole lot lately
0: I mean, he's just being cute. He's just doing <laughs> his thing. Um, but he's, like, using the Force, right, in all these ways we're not actually seeing him. Because in the beginning, the Mandalorian, like, closes him while he's taking his little nappy. Like, closes him behind that, like, actual door that shut him into his little nap room. Mm. And he just, like... I mean, I'm assuming that there's not like an ent- like a button that lets you out of there. So I, I assumed he used the force to get out of there. Mm-hmm. And then the Mandalorian shoots towards the end um, Toro, and uh, Peli's all worried. She's like, get him, find the baby. Like, take- we have to get the baby right now. And they like turn him over, and he's gone. And he's hiding in the corner already. And it's like instant, instant. So he had to have also, like, used the Force to, like, get himself out of the way and, like, put himself in safety. But they're just, like, not showing us, you know? Mm -hmm. He's just, like, doing it in all these little, like, oh, yeah, he must have used the Force ways. So I don't know if he's just kind of, like, developing his own, like, little Force powers on his own.
1: Yeah, could be. Oh man. They've really they've really captured our hearts with that character and I feel yeah. like if they just take him away we'll all be sad. So
0: I know and I keep thinking about like where I know it's like early to think about this, but like if they do season two, like they can't just take him away from us. <laughs> like yeah. he, has, he has to also be in season two.
1: Yeah. Hopefully. Fingers crossed.
0: I just want to see him grow into a healthy adult. Yeah. So I need a show that spans about 800 years.
1: Okay. Well, that's probably not going to (laughs) happen. But we shall see. (laughs) All right. Well, it's been fun talking to you, Jesse, about these last few episodes of the Mandalorian, obviously we have a couple more left before the end of season one. Um, Any final thoughts on these last two episodes, the sanctuary and the gunslinger?
0: Um, No, I mean, I just, I'm really, really enjoying the show. And I just feel like we are collecting all these really cool people that keep seeming, to be left behind at the end of each episode with no, like, true promise of ever seeing them again. Mm -hmm. But, like, especially, like, Cara Dune, like, she Gina Carano was in all of, like, the press tours and everything. Like, I feel like we're for sure going to see her again. And I'm just, like, waiting for this moment where all these little people that he's collected, um, that he's, like, really becoming, like, friends with, On all these episodes, I feel like there's going to be a point when he's going to need them again. Um, Maybe to set little Yoda Yoda baby free once and for all. Um, I hope Fenix Shand and Pelly are part of that. I don't know so much about Pelly, but I don't know. Fenix Shand and Gina, and I was going to say Gina, but Cara Dune seem to me like we might see them again. And maybe even. I don't know. He had that whole thing with Omera, where he was seemed really tempted to just like stay and retire with his little Yoda baby and be part of that little society. So she seemed really special to me too. And I don't know if that's just really great storytelling that just made me really connect with these characters after just seeing them in one episode, or if it means that they're going to play a bigger role later on. I kind of hope so.
1: Yeah. I really do think that we could spend another, you know, hour and a half talking about the Mandalorian and his choices. What if he stays? What if he stays with Omera? What if he stays at the village? You know, could he be okay there? And, you know, with the young widow, as Cara Dune calls calls her, um, you know, settle down, take your helmet off. You know, put, kick your feet up, enjoy, you know, enjoy life a little bit. He's got money, you know, so I think to him, that is tempting. That is a tempting lifestyle. So I don't know. I, 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 that's, what's great about this is that it keeps us guessing. It keeps us talking and it makes you wonder. And I I love it.
0: But to really quick, you just made me think of something like you said, he's got money and He just doesn't really seem to care too much about it, though, right? Like, he's always looking for a job, but he didn't really seem ever to be in it for the money. Like, he really wanted the Beskar to make his armor. But, like, after that, like, you know, he didn't really make money on this last job other than taking what was off of Toro's body. And then he just gave, like, all of it to Peli. Yeah. So he just kind of seems to be just like a wanderer that just always has to be on the move for like some reason that he just has it in his head that he just is going from one job to the next and never settling so i want i want to know more about that
1: yeah this mandalorian nomad yeah all right so that was awesome i love talking about the mandalorian can't wait to talk about the next episode episode six that we'll get on friday um continuing to uh, lead up to the rise of skywalker and there's just so much stuff coming out for that we even have uh the rise of the resistance ride open at disney now in hollywood studios in florida so i've heard some great things about that just cannot wait to go out there and check that out um we're we're getting there we are getting there jesse just a week away and it's so exciting i cannot wait to go uh so we'll have a lot more uh from that and of course uh we have star wars resistance every sunday so our next episode will be talking about two episodes uh two of the latest episodes from resistance so make sure to check those out um jesse before we go where can people find us on social media
0: you can find us on facebook twitter and instagram all under the handle at twin suns outpost
1: All right. And if you're looking for places to listen to us, you can find us on our website, which is www.twinstonesoutpost.com. You can click on the podcast tab on the left-hand side. You'll find all of our episodes there. You can also find us on the Star Wars podcast app through the Google Play Store and on iTunes.
0: And if you like our show, you think we're pretty wizard, go ahead and give us a good review on iTunes
1: all right thanks so much for listening to episode 155 of twin suns transmission we'll see you next time and as always may the force be with you hi this is vanessa marshall harrison doula from star wars rebels you've been listening to twin suns transmission an exciting show where sand gets everywhere thank you for listening to this presentation of the twin suns podcast network May the Force be with you, always.
0: Air Master Tatooine, it's controlled by the Hut.
1: The rendezvous point on Halloween. (laughs) This time doing my own thing.